You guys are probably pretty excited because we're talking about the two things you're not ever supposed to talk about is religion and politics, right? Amen. Tell you the truth, if, if, if I lived by that, uh, if I lived by that uh, understanding of what's politically correct in conversations, I wouldn't have nothing to talk about. So, so here we are, we're, we're, just, we're just days before um, the uh, greatest, most important election of our lifetime, amen. So I think it's, it's uh, smart as a, as a church that we examine um, what lies before us, and that's what we're going to do today, amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for uh, the word of God that is alive and powerful. We ask it that it would quicken, quicken our souls this morning that we'd come alive to the reality of, of our king and, and his way of doing things, his vision for humanity. For your vision, Lord, your vision is just, your vision is righteous, your, your vision is what creates the best possible life for all humanity. So we submit to your ways today. And we receive the teaching of and guidance of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So a lot of times, uh, there, uh, churches and, 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 and uh, Christians and believers, they, they, they cop out of speaking about hard things. And the reason why they cop out of believing hard, hard things is, and even, is because they don't, want, they don't want those battles. Because it, it, it is a battle. To stand... It's to stand for righteousness, to stand for your beliefs, will, will be a battle. And um, they, use, they even use the Bible in ways that uh, I find quite humorous. Um, for, for instance, just this question right here, was Jesus involved in politics? You know, and if you don't understand this answer, if you don't have an answer to this, you won't have an answer for if Christians should be involved in politics. Because if you believe Jesus was not involved in politics, then a Christian shouldn't be involved in politics, right? And, and there are whole, there are denominations that really, they believe this way, that G, Jesus had, had no interest in, in the going-ons of governing, governing this world. It was all kingdom-minded, right? Everything was somewhere up in the clouds, right? And, and their, their, whole, their whole belief system is to looking forward to that day, that day, Right? They're always they're gripping the back of the seats and waiting for one day everything's going to get better. One day, one day. And we just went through a lengthy series showing that that is not God's plan for man. God's plan for man is for his kingdom to continue to grow within the earth. That, 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 that there will be a, a clear division between kingdom, biblical people, and those of the world. We, we are that standard in the, in the earth. And we're growing up into the greatest, the greatest tree in the, in the garden. And all the birds of the air, they take refuge in that tree. Amen? Should the church be involved in politics? I mean, there, there might be some that would accuse me of bringing politics into the pulpit. I would never do that. I would never bring politics into the pulpit. But what I would do is bring the pulpit into politics. 
There are those that believe that Jesus wasn't involved in politics, so we shouldn't be either. To them, I say, oh, really? <laughs> they might even have scripture to back up their assumption, 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 this idea. Like this one. In Matthew 22, verse 15, it says, Then the Pharisees went and plotted together how they might trap him in what he said. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are, a tr are truthful and teach the way of God in truth and do not care what anyone thinks, for you are not partial to anyone. So first of all, we see that the Pharisees were involved here, and we see that their disciples were involved. And then you have these Herodians. You everybody know who the Herodians were? Because they're only mentioned twice in Scripture. These, these Herodians were Jewish, was a Jewish political party who synthesized, synthesized, synthesized. They leaned towards. The Herodian rulers, which was Herod, right? Um, in their general policy of government and in social customs, which they introduced from Rome, they were at one with the Sadducees. Now, the Sadducees was another group that leaned towards Herod, right? And uh, they, were, they, they really didn't believe a lot. They didn't even believe in the resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see. But, uh, but these Sadducees, and, <laughs> they were one with the Sadducees in holding the duty of submission to Rome and of supporting the Herods on the throne. They were not a religious sect, but as the name implies, a court or politician, political party supporting the dynasty of Herod. All right? See, a lot of people think that King Herod was a Jewish king. No, he was set up by the Roman government. In, in Matthew twenty-two seventeen, it says, Tell us then, what do you think? Is it permissible to pay a poll tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their malice and said, Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the poll tax. And they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, Whose image an inscription is, is this. They said to him, Caesar. Then he said to them, Then pay to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And hearing this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. So some might take this argument, and they said, See, look at what Jesus said here. Jesus said to give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And he, he, he didn't get involved in politics. Jesus didn't even try to change the Roman laws. He, he, didn't, he didn't talk about their uh, validity, or he, he didn't talk about if they were unjust. He had a chance here to say something about it, and he didn't say anything about it. Well, first of all, if Jesus did not do something, does that mean that we should not do it either? Think about this. If, if you see that Jesus didn't do something in Scripture, 
does that mean that we should automatically not do it either? See, the Roman government at this time was killing and massacring thousands of people. And Jesus never once did anything about that. He never even said anything about it. He never preached against it. He never proclaimed against, against that brutality. So does that mean that we, as believers and followers of Christ, should never, ever stand against those that are, are massacring and killing people either? Of course not. Right? There were slaves during this, during this time, this ancient world. And Jesus never once fought for their freedom. Jesus never even said anything. He didn't even say that they should be freed. So does that mean that we also shouldn't fight for freedom? That, does that mean that Jesus was condoning racism? Does that mean that he was condoning slavery? Of course not. No. Just because Jesus didn't do something doesn't mean that we should not do the same thing. But what if Jesus did do something? What if Jesus did do something? Does that mean that does that mean that we should do it also? I would say yes. If Jesus did do something, then it's probably a good indication that we should do likewise, right? Yes or no? Yes, right? So with that in mind, let's examine the scriptures further, all right? So who were the politicians of Jesus' day? Who were the politicians of Jesus' day? Go back a little bit when, when the United States occupied Iraq, right? There was an occupation of the United States in Iraq. What would happen if an Iraqi, an Iraqi tried to petition the United States to change the United States laws? Would that... Have let's, let's just say that this Iraqi had four wives. And he thought that the United States law should allow people to have four wives too. Would he be able to petition the United States to change their laws for how he would like them to be done? No, right? He, he couldn't. They, they're not allowed to influence American politicians. Because he's not an American citizen. You understand that? They are not even allowed to donate, donate money to them. It would be illegal and a waste of time for them to try to change another country's laws. Right? So when we look at Jesus and his involvement in Roman politics, the first question we should ask is, was Jesus a Roman citizen? No, Jesus was not a Roman citizen. He was a Jewish citizen, right? He was, not, he was not Roman. Maybe this is why God chose Paul to go to the Gentiles, because he was a Roman citizen. I don't know, just thinking. So if Jesus' citizenship was Jewish, and he was living in a country that was occupied by Rome. But his countrymen, 
and himself were not Roman citizens. They were Jewish citizens, right? So who were the politicians of Jesus' day? Who made and enacted laws in Judea at his time? If Jesus, a Jewish citizen, wanted to be involved in politics, who would be the politicians of his day that he would have to confront? The Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin, you guys are all familiar with what this is? Here's the definition and the rule of the Sanhedrin in Judea. It's a Greek word meaning sitting together or assembly. It is the name given to the council of 71 Jewish sage, sages who constituted the Supreme Court in the legislative body of ancient Israel. The makeup of the council included a chief justice, a Nazi, N-A-S-I-E, a vice chair justice, Ava Bittedin, A-V-B-E-I-T-D-I-N, and 69 general members who all sat in the form of a semicircle when in session. Kind of sounds like things today. The, the, the Sanhedrin made up the lesser laws that were subject and subservient to their constitution, which was the Torah. It's the same thing that we do here in the United States. We have a constitution, and our political leaders, senators, and congressmen make up lesser laws that have to be in subjection to that constitution. It's almost like we got that from somewhere. But who made up the Sanhedrin? Does the Bible mention them? The politicians, the representatives, the lawmakers of Jewish government, who were they? They were the scribes, who were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. In fact, in some translations of the Bible, the word scribe is actually translated lawyers. So did Jesus ever have any conversations with any of these governmental leaders? Did Jesus ever challenge their leadership? Did Jesus ever challenge their laws? All the time. These laws that they enacted and enforced on the Jewish people. Jesus was so involved with politics, it killed him. All of the, all of the, the heroes of the Bible, Daniel, Samson, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Jesus, John the Baptist, all of the disciples, Paul, they were all martyred by the government. They were all persecuted by the government. They all stood and proclaimed a kingdom biblical worldview to the government. 
Amen. So was Jesus involved in politics? Jesus was involved in politics, and he still is involved in politics today. He's alive. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and his kingdom is in this earth. Jesus' mission was to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth for the will of God to be manifest on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. It was Jesus' mission. And if this was Jesus' mission, should it not also be ours? If Jesus was involved in politics, why aren't you? <laughs> believers' involvement in politics cannot be our own desires. If you're, if you're a believer, if you're a citizen, if you're a kingdom, kingdom citizen, if you have bowed your knee and you have submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ, your, your politics cannot be your own desires. It, it can't be your own preference, or it can't even be how you were raised by your parents. Our desires, when it comes to govern, governance here on earth, should be and must be what mirrors a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview. So when being involved... We must work for and support government that most closely aligns itself with the kingdom of God. Amen? So how can we know if a system or an ideology best aligns itself with God's kingdom and with a biblical worldview? Well, you need to look past the candidates. You must look past the candidates. See, in this country, we try to make everything a personality contest. We try to get you to look at an individual. And the, and the individual is not, is not the most important thing. You have to look at what that individual is representing, right? This, is not, this election is so much bigger than just Trump and Biden. It's an ideology and a worldview that you're voting for. And when you cast your vote, you are standing on that party's platform. Your vote to that, a certain party is like them saying, come on up and stand with us. And that platform is what they represent. It's the worldview that they have. It's the way that they want things to be done. So we need to look past the candidates to the party's platform and what they stand for. What is their ideology and their belief system in which policies will pass for governing citizens? So we're going to do that today. We're going to do just that. We're going to look at two platforms that are being presented in this election and weigh out what best represents biblical kingdom worldview. Our politicians usually vote in alignment almost, almost 100% of the time. There's a few times that they vote outside of their political platform, but almost all politicians vote in alignment with the party that they are in. 
So the only way to judge a politician is to judge their party's platform. I know people get sensitive when talking about political parties. So for the sensitive today, we're not going to name any names. We're just going to use a we got to figure out some way to distinguish between these two parties. Let's, let's just call them blue team and red team, okay? We'll just blue team and red team. So here's, the, here's part of the political party's platform. On the subject, subject of freedom of religion, the blue team is silent on the subject of citizens' rights to live out their faith outside of their homes and places of worship. The red team affirms the rights of conscience, calls for the first time for a repeal of the Johnson Amendment, and pledges to protect religious freedoms of all military members. Now, the Johnson's Amendment is a provision in the U.S. tax code put in place in 1954 that prohibits all 501c3 nonprofit organizations from endorsing or opposing political candidates. So it's actually put in a lid on our First Amendment rights of freedom of speech by penalizing organizations through the IRS. So to me, that seems like by eliminating that, that brings more freedom. So I think, I don't know, that's not, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. How about on the subject of life? The blue team called for the federal government to force taxpayers to fund abortions. They believe that every woman should have access to safe and legal abortions and repeal the Hyde Amendment. Now, the Hyde Amendment is a legislative provision barring the use of federal funds to pay for abortion, except to save the life of a woman or if the pregnancy arised from incest or rape. Before the Hyde Amendment took an effect in 1980, an estimated 300,000 abortions were performed annually, that's every year, using taxpayers' money. Using your, if you were a taxpayer before 1980, they used your money for abortion. It just came out that the state of California has, had, has murdered more children than the whole population of Canada. And I believe Canada's population is 30 million. Or maybe 60. One of the two. Look it up, somebody. I should have looked it up. This, the state of New York aborted more African-American babies than were born last year. The red team, the red team supports an end to abortion and strongly opposes infanticide. They oppose federal, fun, they oppose federal funds from being used to perform 
or promote abortion. They also support the right to human life amendment to the Constitution. How about on marriage? The blue team embraces the uh, redefinition of marriage, stating that LGBT people have the right to marry the person that they love. I don't think they know the meaning of that word. The red team believes that the American family is the cornerstone of civil society and the cornerstone of the family and the cornerstone of the family is uh, oh my goodness and the cornerstone of the family is natural marriage of one man and one woman the supreme court the blue team promises to appoint judges who protect a woman's right to abortion and see the constitution as a blueprint to progress pushing for special rights where LGBT rights supersede religious rights. The red team support judges who respect traditional family values and the sanctity of innocent life. They seek to enable courts to reverse the long line of activist decisions, including Roe, Obergefell, and Obamacare cases. Roe, that's the the case of, of, abortion, of abortion, where they, at the time, the, uh, it was, abortion was legalized because um, science was not able to prove that, that there was life in the womb. Nowadays, with ultrasounds and all that, we know that... Right, exactly. Yep, that's what we're talking about here. So, the uh, in the country of Poland, a couple of years ago, they declared Poland uh, that Jesus was Lord of of Poland. They 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 said that Poland was a Christian country. And I don't know if you heard or not, but they have just passed laws into effect that uh, made abortion illegal. And, amen. And even though the, the, the law hasn't actually came into effect yet, already hospitals have stopped pra practice. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, Roe, that was for abortion. This Abergh... Gefell, Abergefell, that is the uh, ruling that said that uh, for same-sex marriage in Obamacare um, cases, what was saying that um, citizens, that the, U the federal government could tax U.S. citizens for health care. The military. The blue team believes that our military is strongest when it includes people of all sexual orientation and gender identities and push to include elective abortion coverage to military and veteran benefits. The red team rejects the use of military as a platform for social experimentation and supports the religious freedom of all military members, especially chaplains. Fighting terrorists. 
The blue team believes in defending terrorism and combating climate change. The red team says radical Islamic terrorism poses an existential threat to personal freedom and peace around the world. We oppose its brutal assault on all human beings and all who have inherent dignity. Spending in the national debt. The blue team wants to raise taxes and spend more to pay for more ambitious progressive programs. The red team states that the federal government spends too much and desire to impose firm caps on future debt and accelerate the repayment of trillions that we currently owe. So we got to hold them, hold our politicians to what they say too. And education, the blue team, on school choice, they reject and offer no support to families that desire private or faith-based schooling for their children. The red team supports homeschooling, private or parochial schools, and school vouchers. So did you keep a tally? Were you going through there and marking up, you got the blue team and red team. Which one scored the highest on a biblical worldview? Yeah, you're supposed to say that in your head. but no. So this tells you a lot. This tells you so much. You, you can actually just ignore all the commercials. You can ignore rallies. You can ignore press conferences. You can just look at the political platform and know as a believer, where you have to stand. So the little r and the little d to a, next to a candidate's name tells you exactly what they will do. But the question is, is not to let you know, what will you do? In closing... I'm going to try to go fast. I'm going to share 14 biblical reasons why it's important for a Christian to vote, to get out and vote. In Exodus, in Exodus 2, 23 through 24, it says, Now it came, to, came about in the course of those many days that the king of Egypt died, and the sons of Israel uh, groaned because, the, because of the bondage that they cried out, and their cry for help because of their bondage, ascended to God. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Exodus 3, 7. And the Lord said, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their outcry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their suffering. What does this tell us? What does this passage have to do about with, with voting? That voting is a great privilege. Not everyone in this earth has this privilege. The Jews did not have a privilege, this privilege. And because of not having this privilege, they suffered under government. Voting in the United States is a gift from God. And we must never take it for granted. We should 
cherish this freedom and be grateful for it. We must vote. In Romans chapter 3, 13 verse 1, it says, Let every person be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. This scripture tells us that when it comes to voting, it tells us that it is our duty. It is our duty as believers to vote. It says, we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish just justice, ensure do, uh, domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our... Huh? Posterity. Posterity. Do... <laughs> Do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Our Constitution established, establishes the people as a foundation and guides the foundation and the guides for government. That means that we have a responsibility to pray for our leaders, to share truth with our friends and neighbors, and to vote, to direct our elected officials to hold, them, to hold them accountable when they run for office. Our job is to keep our government pure and our governors honest. To keep the nation guided towards the common good. This is our solemn duty. When we see government becoming corrupt, it is our duty to take steps to get it back to the right path. So it's our, it's our duty to vote. In Acts chapter 6 verse 2 it says, it, it says, and the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should be preaching, that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore brothers pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. This is telling us that when we, we, when we vote, we are to select godly leaders. We are supposed to pick out people with good repute and full of the spirit and wisdom to our best ability. In Proverbs 29.2, it says, When the righteous increase, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people groan. We vote to expel bad leaders. Whenever wicked people take power, innocent people suffer. Sinful people will seek their own wealth and power rather than submit to an almighty God. And ultimately, they will hurt those they are leading. Sadly, many of our leaders today do not fear God or love his ways. Thankfully, in the USA, we still have this opportunity to choose our own leaders, and each of us must rise up to oppose and remove wicked leaders as God gives us the opportunity. This is why voting is essential. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 28, it says, And one of the scribes came up to him and heard him disputing with another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, 
The most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is, is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The reason why Christians and believers need to vote is because we love our neighbors. Loving our neighbors has two meanings for an American voter. First, we direct our government to take care of all of its citizens. Second, we encourage our country to act as a good neighbor to countries around the world. America should be a friendly nation to the world, a place of peace and refuge for the oppressed. She should be a land of hope, an example of freedom and opportunity, not by being weak, but being a strong force of good. The best way to do this is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and disciple people in our nation and other nations around the world who have never heard the good news of the gospel and his kingdom. Amos 5.24, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. The reason why we as believers need to vote is to promote just laws. Justice means treating everyone fairly and giving appropriate punishment when needed. Because justice is so very important to God, he created governments to punish those, according to 1 Peter, to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. In Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 19, it says, You shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality. And you shall not accept a bribe. For a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and subverts the cause of the righteous. Justice and only justice you shall follow, that you may live and inherit the land that the Lord your God is giving you. We vote to promote just law enforcement. As a Christian, we know that law enforcement has been established by God to protect the people and bring justice. We are forever grateful for those officers who serve our country, putting their own lives at risk. Without their service, our society would collapse. Any judge, policeman, or prosecutor who is not God-honoring can do tremendous harm to people's lives and to this country as a whole. If they mistreat anyone or show favoritism, they should be punished and removed. It's simple. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, it says, Little children, let us love in word or talk. Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. We vote to protect against deceitful leaders. We evaluate a leader based on their actions, not their words. Because actions are far more significant than words. These actions are the fruit they produce with their life. 
If any leader wants to show that they, that they love their people, we should be able to see clear ways that they have worked to benefit and help those under their care. These servant leaders will always promote justice and righteousness for their people. For any government, taking care of a pe people means encouraging families to stay together, protecting all human life, creating a, 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 an economy that makes it easy for people to work and create jobs, and providing a place where people can worship God freely. It means that judges, police, and lawmakers don't show favoritism, but instead treat everyone equally and fairly, protecting our God-given rights. In Psalms 139, verse 13, it says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's wombs. I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were uh, formed, yeah, formed for me when as yet there was none of them. We vote. The reason why a Christian votes is to protect life. Every human life is immeasurably valued. We are the, the crowning jewel of God's creation. But tragically, the unborn are no longer being protected by our government. We, we grieve the loss of each child, and we long for the day when they will again be protected as, as priceless treasures of our nation. Until then, we must vote for leaders who will stand strong to defend life of every person, born and unborn. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, it says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with everyone in need. We vote to protect against hurtful policies. God has a plan for how society works best. This plan is laid out by the apostles Paul's instructions to the Ephesian church. He charges them not to steal what belongs to someone else, to work and make a living and share with those who are in need. But not every government system allows God's pl good plan to unfold. Socialism and communism are two examples of government system that opposes biblical teaching. Both hold that it is wrong to earn and save money for oneself and that everything should belong to everyone. These beliefs are contrary to scriptures. They teach that people must be forced to give what they earn until everyone has the same amount. Of course, this isn't giving at all. Giving can only be done out of a heart that is full of God's love, not by force. Both systems also undermine the role of parents, saying that the government should be in charge of educating our children instead of their families. 
ultimately, socialism and communism attempt to replace God with the government. And, are always, and, and when they do this, they are always destined to fail. They are doomed from the start, and they bring heartache and destruction to all its citizens. In John chapter 15, verse 12, it says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. We vote. It is our duty to vote. The reason why we should vote is to honor those who went before us. To honor those that went before us. Samuel Adams said, The liberties of our country... The freedoms of our civil constitution are worth defending at all hazards. It is our duty to defend them against all attacks. We have received them as a fair inheritance from our worthy ancestors. They purchased them for us with toil and danger and expense of treasure and blood. It will bring a mark of everlasting infamy on the on, on the present generation, enlightened as it is, if we should suffer them to be wasted from, waste, rest, wrestled, I don't know, from us by, by violence without struggle or to be cheated out of them, of them by the artifices of dis, dis, designing men. My goodness. See, I'm not even as educated as they were back in the 1800s. Those words, I don't But we are to honor. We are to, we are to, to make sure that those that sacrificed gave, gave their life for us so that we can enjoy the prosperity and the freedoms of today. That we are to honor them and not by voting and, and standing up for religious liberties in the Constitution that they, we have inherited from them. Amen. In Jeremiah 29, verse 7, it says, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. We vote because we love our country. We are to love our country. Our country was founded on God's principles. John Adams said, the general pr principles upon which the fathers achieved independence was the general principles of Christianity. Andrew Jackson added, the Bible is the rock on which our republic rests. Billy Graham put it this way, if America is to survive, we must elect more God-centered men and women to public office. Individuals will seek Individuals who will seek divine guidance in the affairs of state. Patriotism is not a set of feelings or the occasional celebration of our country. Patriotism, like love, requires action. It requires action. If we love our country, we will vote for its protection and its righteousness. We must vote for leaders who will continue to enact biblical principles in our government because without Judeo 
Christian principles as a basis for our laws, our country, as founded, will not survive. In James chapter 2, verse 14, it says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lack the daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. The reason why we vote, because our voting demonstrates our faith with works. It's not enough just to trust God and have faith in him. We are also called to do good works as he commanded and prepared us to do. So when we vote as an act of faith and obedience, never putting our trust solemnly in human hands or human leaders, but trusting God. We vote with confidence that our votes matter because God is using us to accomplish his plans, and he is ultimately the one that is in charge. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4, it says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is rich, richly supplied. The reason why we vote is because we're not fools. There are many excuses made by Christians on why they don't vote. Christians are the largest block of, red, of those that are able to vote in the United States that do not. And these excuses for voting are nothing more than cover-ups for laziness and foolishness. Jesus' parable of the talent shows that we'll be judged by what he has given us. And we've already seen that voting is a great responsibility, and it's a gift that we should be grateful for, and it's our duty to perform. When, when you do not vote, you actually, not only is your vote not counted, but the other system gets two votes. Because not only do you block on one of them, but they get two votes. It is our duty to vote. We are not fools. As faithful servants, we vote as good stewards of our family, our neighbors, and our country. Noah Webster said, If the citizens neglect their duty and place unprincipled men in office, the government will soon be corrupt. Laws will be made not for the public good so much as for selfish and local pur purposes. Corrupt or in or incompetent men will be appointed to uh, execute the laws the public revenues will be squandered and unworthy men and the rights of the citizens will be violated or disregarded
It is our duty. It is our privilege. It is our right. It is, it is, it is one of the supreme responsibilities as a Christian to vote. And to vote for kingdom principles. Vote for a biblical worldview. To vote, to use our vote to aid in thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? As I said when we started this teaching this morning, that uh, this election is probably the most important election of, of our lifetime. And it is so important that you vote for a biblical worldview. And it is up to each one of us to go before God to pray and be led by God as we enter into that voting booth. And to understand the platforms of what these men and women are representing, knowing that it doesn't matter the personality of the individual, they're going to do exactly what their political platform believes, stands for, and is working toward. We as Christians have no excuse. The information that is at our fingertips is great, and we, can, we have no excuse for ignorance. We have no excuse unless we choose to be ignorant and we choose to be lazy. There are, the, there are those that uh, think that, uh, that, that God is sovereign and that it doesn't matter. My vote doesn't matter anyways because whatever God wills to happen will, will happen. History and scripture tells us that that's not true. God is sovereign as far as being the supreme, most powerful being in all of existence. But he doesn't manipulate and control. He gives us free will. He gives us choice. I mean, you can just, it's so easy in scripture. Israel wanted a king. Was it God's will for them to have a king? No, not at that time. He did have a king. He did desire them to be ruled by a king. But not Saul. It was Jesus. But he gave them their heart's desire. He gives you, allows you to, to, to choose for your life. You choose where you live. You choose who you marry, you choose so many things in your, in, your, in your life. You choose to show up here on Sunday morning, and you, you'll choose to go to the polls on November 3rd. And we will reap our cho- choices. So I feel that I've done my part and making you aware of what lies before us, the choices that are before us. And, and now it's, it's time for you guys, to, along with me, to do your part. And uh, choose, choose a political future for this country that allows religious liberty, the freedom, just laws, in a biblical worldview to dominate.
That's our duty as Christians. Was Jesus involved in politics? Yes, he was. Jesus not only was involved in politics, Jesus is involved in politics. And we should be too. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your great love. We, we thank you for leaders with pure motives. We thank you for leaders that desire to serve this country. We thank you for leaders that desire to bring freedoms and liberties to this nation. We thank you for leaders that promote godly principles. For your principles are the principles to prosperity and to life to the full. You desire the best for humanity. So we thank you for leaders that are willing to stand against our culture. They're willing to stand against the tide of, of, of the rebellious spirit of wickedness in this earth and stand for godly principles. We ask that you protect them, that, that, you, that you would protect them, that you would give them wisdom, that you would teach them your ways, that, that, that you, would, you would bring supernatural ideas and remedies for our nation. Heavenly Father, we ask that, that you would continue to rise the United States up to greater heights than ever before, to be a light and a beacon of hope in this world, to be a blessing to the countries of this world, to be a place that stands for freedom, liberty, and the gospel of Jesus Christ in this world. We thank you that, that we will go forth into the world and disciple nations in the way of Jesus, and that your kingdom would continue to grow and grow and grow until it fills up the earth. For you are the only answer to humanity. and You are our King and our Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We love you. We praise you. And as we wait, we will do our part. We will plunder the kingdom of darkness. We, we will occupy. We, we will continue to build and strike uh, and, and continue to build and, and fight. We will charge the, the gates of hell, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Hallelujah. We just love you. We lift up our leaders to you. We lift up our godly leaders to you. Mm. We ask, we ask for mm, divine providence in their election. Mm. In Jesus' name, amen.